Good evening, boils and ghouls, and welcome to Slow Motion Triple Feature, a podcast in which three friends watch three movies over the course of three weeks. Each month, a different friend will select a different triple feature for their friends to enjoy and discuss. Wait, a different triple feature for their friends to enjoy and discuss. Slow Motion Triple Feature is one of the many fine podcasts brought to you by the American Friend Institute. I'm your host, Mike Keller, and I'm joined today by my good friends, Kit and Andrew. Tonight, we're discussing... Oh, hello. Uh, tonight we are discussing 1990s Truly Madly Deeply as part of Kit's Supernatural Supernatural Romance Triple Feature. Um, Kit, what can you tell us about your triple feature uh, and then this film and how, it are, how they're all playing together? Yeah, so the idea for this triple came from uh, really wanting to make you guys watch Meet Joe Black, in particular Mike, because Mike's never seen it. Uh, <laughs> and so I started to think about what other movies could go with that. And a matter of life and death came to mind, which we watched last time. Mm-hmm. Um, as it's also kind of about death and love. And then I tried to think of a third thing. I thought about ghost. I thought about, um, what is it called? The ghost and Mrs. Muir or whatever, but that's, that's all, a good like, movie from 40. It is, but it's from 47, which is like the same year as all matter right. of life and death. I think so one year later, um, I wanted to like spread it out a little bit. Um, and I was, I've really been on a Patrick Swayze kick, even though I don't like any of his movies so far. Um, <laughs> what have you watched? <laughs> so I thought about watching, um, I, I really only like Dirty Dancing and, and Ghost. Um, Dirty Dancing is a good like, movie. I, I love him. I think he's great. I watched, it's because I watched that, um, I don't remember who makes them, but it was like the, the documentary series, like there's one about Heath Ledger and then there was one about him and he was just like, Oh my God. Like the, I never realized like he's the perfect man and like such a wonderful, amazing person. And actually like a really good actor who I don't know ever got a opportunity to really show how great he was. Well, um, no, no, he did. Didn't you see when he ripped say, that, when he ripped that dude's throat I knew out that's what you're going to say. God damn it. <laughs> I don't really think that that was the essence of Swayze, to be honest, but okay. I mean, you're wrong, um, but that's fine. Anyway, we are not watching Ghost, but I came across this movie, which I've never heard of, and apparently doesn't really have an audience outside of the UK, even though it was uh, released here theatrically um, and to great critical acclaim, and also is considered kind of a classic in in Britain. Um and it stars uh, Alan Rickman, who we all love, obviously, and anyone with a fucking brain would love. Um, and it also stars uh, Juliet Stevenson, who, you know, matter of since we've just been talking about Emma, she played Mrs. Elton in the 1996 version of hmm. Emma. And that's sort of like the role I most associate with her with is just playing like very uh snooty annoying (laughs) characters in period pieces whether that's accurate or not i don't know um but yeah this movie was written for her um the trailer sold me and so that's what i chose had you seen it before nice no i'd never even heard of it oh me neither okay cool yeah i hadn't i hadn't seen it or heard of it either but uh well what uh andrew what did you think of the film Oh, um, yeah, I, um, I liked it a lot. I mean, it was really good. Um, it's, uh, Oh, that's the other thing is we'd also been obsessed with, uh, talented Mr. Ripley yeah. recently. And this yeah, is Anthony right. Mangella. Mm-hmm. So that's the other reason I was like, okay, we'll watch this one. Well, the Sorry. first thing, the, f- right. the, the first thing I want to talk about, um, cause I, that's what I was thinking of the whole time was, oh, this is Anthony Mangella. So like, what, what should I look out for? Um, the fucking intro in this movie like from like the there's the 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 scene where she's talking to her therapist and then it goes into the mm-hmm. the credits and then there's and it's this you know just like beautiful like footage of it's black and white footage of alan rickman playing the cello which does he play really play mm-hmm. the cello is that real he learned um he stu- he practiced cello he plays the bow hand but they have a real cellist putting their arm through his armpit to do the thing <laughs> That is awesome. Okay. (laughs) I love that. So that, to me, ties into what I'm about to talk about, which is uh, this intro um, is like pure movie magic. um, It goes from him playing 
um, cello in this black and white footage, and then it pulls out of a a, a photo, and then it's a still frame of, in a photo, and then the pulls out of the photo, and then you see, um, what's the character's name? Uh, Nina playing the piano, and then it, it the ch- the cello music fades out, and in fades her humming the tune that the cello was playing. Uh, so it's just like this perfect bridge, and it's like so the the the, the credit sequence just was a, a memory to her, um, and I was just. I was so blown blown away by that uh, that I mean that opening sequence. Um, it was just very very elegant and um, and not something that I have seen in a while. Um, I, it did kind of remind me of like the opening few minutes of um, uh, Mr. Ripley, just like in how efficient the storytelling was, even just like in the kind of Saul Bass uh, intro. So that's that's the only connection I can really make uh, in the in the first few minutes. But um, yeah, I thought that that was really amazing (laughs) the other connection for me in the first few minutes was their apartment which Mm -hmm. i thought like god anthony mingella can really select like in all white sort of dilapidated but still very glamorous apartment to shoot a movie in like Mm -hmm. that apartment was gorgeous while still like totally falling apart Um, yeah like you you believed that the thing that she's saying in the movie, because uh, they they peop- they labor the 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 apartment like everybody talks about what a shithole it is, and mm-hmm. and you believe it, and then mm-hmm. you know the whole time she's just like I think it could be great I like it here and you can see why yeah um, yeah it's cool. And apparently, it surprised me to learn that a director whose films include such like consistently beautiful interiors had apparently two bedrooms of his house dedicated to sports memorabilia. Weird. That yeah. shocks me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I, it's funny. Like, I don't really know Anthony Mignola very well. I feel like, I mean, like I'd seen, um, talented Mr. Ripley a bunch of times. Um, but I had never heard of this and I really hadn't seen, I mean, I've seen cold mountain, which I don't like that much. Yeah, Cold Mountain's not a very likable movie, but I mm-hmm. need to watch The English Patient, I've decided. Uh, yeah, I've seen it a couple times. I didn't really like it, but maybe... I feel maybe... like I'll probably like it. <laughs> no, maybe as I mean, maybe as a big boy I'll like it, but I didn't really care mm-hmm. for it. Wow, he did not direct that many movies. Well, he's, he's dead. I know he's yeah, dead, he but he's... fairly young. But, but yeah, he didn't... He started in 1978... And then his next, he his first movie came out in 1978. His second movie, yeah, but I is think that's like Matthew a student. Deeply. I think that's like a student film, basically. Yeah, so we so like I did a little bit of reading about his career. Okay. Um, and God, it really is too bad that he had to be taken from us, because he sounds like the coolest dude. This is a little bit from a review I was reading of this movie that went into his uh the background of him making it. It says, in the late 1980s, uh, Minghella fielded offers to make either a film-length episode of Inspector Morse, a series based on the popular books by Colin Dexter, or write and direct his own movie, his own original work that would receive less attention. Minghella passed on the more prestigious offer and set out to write what would become Truly Madly Deeply. Minghella originally developed the, the film as a made-for-TV production for the BBC's Screen 2 series, which brought, which brought filmed plays to the small screen. He approached the work cautiously with full awareness that should he make a bad film, at least fewer viewers would see it. <laughs> similarly, <laughs> similarly, he turned down a chance for a wider distribution deal by demanding that Juliet Stevenson, for whom he wrote the role, rather than an established and bankable screen star, appear in the lead role. Um, and then he also said um, of, of this movie, if they'd given me $100 million to make Truly Badly Deeply, it probably would have looked exactly the same because I didn't know what else to do. Like he didn't. That's just like I love that. (laughs) What a cool dude! Yeah, that's amazing. That's great. That's very humble. And I do think that this is shot interestingly. There's some style to it for sure. There is. There's. There definitely is. Um, I think like there was. There were moments um that I that really stuck out to me. Um, that seemed really uh uh daring. Like there's there's a there's a a, a shot where it goes from one scene to like almost an extreme close up on um on Nina and you don't really you have no idea where she is but you just basically you're able to infer where she is just by 
the emotions on her face, which is she's mm-hmm. in, I think she's in the, she's with her therapist. And mm-hmm. just, just from, just from the, uh, the contrast between how she was in the prior scene, you know, mm-hmm. kind of more closed off, trying to be happy, that kind of thing. And then in the next scene, she's, you know, having an emotional moment. It's like, okay, she's somewhere where she is safe to be open about how she actually feels. Um, so I, I mean, stuff like that yeah. is really fucking cool. And it reminded me a little of like Ripley is obviously a more confident kind of like, I guess, stylish film, but still what impresses me about Mingella having seen like, I guess, three movies by him is like he really he gets great performances from people. And I think Mm -hmm. he casts really good actors and obviously he's willing to make a smaller movie if that means he gets the actors he wants, Mm -hmm. um, which is cool. But like the, the, the end, and I'm sorry to skip to the end, but the last, the last shot of Alan Rickman watching them kiss, it's through a window. It's dark. It's not even a close up. And there are blinds in the window. I love that there are blinds in that window. Mm-hmm. And you can still tell before he wipes his eye that, like, his eyes are red-rimmed and he's, like, For sure. he's teary. Like, and that, and and the scene in the therapist's office, which is probably the one you're referring to, where she's, like, really screaming and mad, those kinds of scenes of, like, enraged sadness don't typically affect me I think as much as like quiet sadness probably does but I was like I just realized it's like tears like streaming down my face like Mm -hmm. in reaction to like her performance in that scene it's she's fucking amazing she was really good in in this it's she's so good and it show it just shows like he had the he was right to make the movie with her because Mm -hmm. I, I mean She's the for sure the most important factor. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> in the film. Well, and I think I think um you, you know you, on um in terms of like emotional like like loud sad like emotional big emotional scenes and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's what people tend to like think about when they think about good acting. You know, they think about a cry yeah. scene or a a a, a, a some mm-hmm. sort of, you know, yelling match or whatever, but like um, there's that scene uh, where the three dudes are in her house and they're all doing her dishes, mm-hmm. and like I was just thinking about like the 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 directing of that scene and also the ability for those actors to like f- to like remember all of those lines because it's like one shot and it's like three yeah. dudes cramped in a space. You know, there's a camera like six inches away from the dude that's closest to the camera. And mm-hmm. they're all having this, like, they're all doing an action. Um, and I know this is like, oh, this is movies, bro. But, I, I, like, I'm sitting there watching this, and I'm, like, that to me, like, I was in disbelief at how long the camera held on them, how many things they were doing, how good yeah. the performances were. Um, like, it's a, And it wasn't really movie-ish. There's something no. about this that's, like, it feels very, I mean, it's very play-ish because they're all theater actors and a theater director Mm -hmm. but it felt a lot of it felt very real like as silly and weird as the premise is it's like i i guess i just completely believe that he's there i don't care that they don't go into much of the mythology or like he's like a corporeal being like that's unique like they can apparently like i guess have sex and kiss and stuff um well we don't know that i i think it was just butt sex okay (laughs) Why would that be? Because she's the one with the vagina. Like, that's just how they. That's how they did it in real life. His so. penis can. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. that doesn't mean they can't have vaginal sex. No, because you can only do it how you did it in real life. Huh? And how? <laughs> okay. It was. It was on the back of the box. Did I think seem- actually, uh, <laughs> Andrew, you picked up the uh, porn parody "Truly Madly Deeper." I think that's what you were reading. <laughs> um. Yeah, so you know. Also, I, this movie cost six hundred fifty thousand dollars and was shot in four weeks. Oh well, fuck oh, me. Wow. wow, that's even more. That's okay. That's the icing in nineteen ninety. Right that's that's so fucking impressive. Um, that dude, he fucking rules. May he rest in peace, man. Yeah. So I guess I would say, uh, is that a buy? What are you drinking? Is that a buy five or a white claw? Oh, you clawing girl? Hell yeah. Yeah. 
I love it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess I guess what I would say about um, this movie in particular, even like it, I noticed it, even the directing, like the director's hand, and maybe it's just because they're in one space for most of the movie. Like maybe that's yeah. why I felt the presence of a director. Um, but it just felt it, it was it was tight, you know, like the, it was, yeah, it was tight. Um, and it's so. like an hour forty under an hour forty five, I think, or right yeah, on right the money. There. Yeah, it's an efficient not movie. long. It didn't feel it didn't feel long. Didn't overstay its welcome. Um, There's very little plot, really. <laughs> so yeah, I go ahead, Mike. I personally did not like this movie, mm-hmm. but I agree with everything you guys have said, like, ser- uh, sincerely. Like, I thought it was really well made. I thought her performance in particular was excellent. Um, I I think I just didn't find a way in personally. And so it's like I just didn't like it on a personal level. Um, and it was kind of slow. And it did. I mean, it's a little budget. Do you have budget. a hard time imagining your wife dying right now? <laughs> I mean, right now it <laughs> seems, you know, likely enough. No, it wasn't even that. It was like... I don't know. Like it was sophisticated in a way that mm-hmm. I find not very accessible. I agree with really. that. It is yeah. very sophisticated. Like it's like they. I don't that understand. review I mentioned. I understand. I totally understand. Like the review mentioned that it was a beloved rom com in England or in the UK, and I was like, "Whoa, this okay. is like barely." <laughs> This doesn't really fit the American definition of rom-com. Although, I mean, it did remind me of Moonstruck in certain ways. But, like, there's not, like, it's funny, but it's not like there's jokes, you know? No, yeah. (laughs) Maybe, like, little moments of humor or just levity. But nothing like, yeah, I wouldn't, I I can't see play. It's play funny, I would say. Yeah. It's, like, mammoth funny. Yeah. Um, Well, so, like. I think if I had a problem with the movie, because like I said, I really agree. Like technically, I thought I mean, I, you know, I thought it was well made. I thought it was a an interesting story, um, good performances and everything. But I think what maybe if I was in a different mood, I would have been able to get into it. But I think what it was, at least watching it this first time, really having no idea what to expect, was that um, it felt. I mean, like, I think it's 30 minutes into the movie before he physically shows mm-hmm. up, Alan Rickman. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's really hard to watch because she's so miserable. I think it's a little it bit is, of a bait really and switch on, watch, pr- on purpose, it is, it I is think. A, it is painful. And I think I think it, it's, I think it continues to be painful because you're just waiting for the other foot to drop. Like, you know that motherfucker's yeah. not going to stick around. Well, yeah. But and, yeah, you know that's coming eventually. I think it's an intentional a bit of an intentional bait and switch that it's setting you up for this like very bleak <laughs> drama about grief. Right. And then once he shows up, it's like, whoa, what the fuck movie are we in? Like, I almost right. wish you like, what if you had watched this not knowing that that was what was going to happen? <laughs> yeah. Like if just, I just like, assigned this movie and I was cold. like, it's about a woman whose husband dies and she's very sad about it. Yeah. And then you watch it and he's there. <laughs> Yeah, no, and like that, that might have made a difference. Like, I think if I were to watch it again, it would probably be, I mean, it'd be a different experience. And just if I was in a different mood, but like, as it was, that first half hour was so hard to watch and just unpleasant that I was kind of, you know, I'm watching the movie, but I was kind of like restless and stuff. Um, But then like, he comes along. And so you're like, um, she really comes to life and like, you're happy for her. Uh, and all that kind of thing. But then as it goes on, I felt like it petered out and like still, even though it wasn't as much of a slog, it it was hard for me to get into because like I didn't really, I didn't particularly care for uh, the, the fella that was um, like the psychologist that she was kind of developing. Me either. Relationship with. I didn't I'm like, like him. Hmm. Ghost of He's Alan Rickman or dude who carries pigeons in his pockets, right, apparently. Right. <laughs> like, right. I'm going to, I'll stick with Ghost of Alan Rickman, please. Yeah. And so, like, I didn't like him. And then I also, by the end of the movie, I didn't like the idea that, I'm going to pause. Okay. 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 He's back. Um, by the end of the movie, I didn't like the idea that he, it, it kind of <laughs> seemed like Alan Rickman had either actually shown up as a ghost uh or whatever in order to kind of move her along and get her out of her grief so that she wouldn't be looking back on him so fondly with and just not being able to move forward in life either that or it was something you don't psychological. Like that? i didn't no i felt I like that was beautiful yeah 
when they I, come, I, when the when the, his friends come to him and he just says like, "Yes, I think so." Right. I, I, think, I mean, I thought uh, that was I thought that was interesting, and I thought it was uh, a different direction that I might have expected, and I could appreciate it in that way. But in terms of me personally enjoying, what did you want him up, to become real again or something? I really, I didn't, I don't know where I would have wanted it to go. <laughs> so it's not even a criticism from that angle. It's just that I, 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 I didn't, uh, what's that? Well, I was going to say, I think, cause I, 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 I did think it was beautiful, but then I also had some, cause, pr- cause up until the moment that I realized that he was, his behavior was a means to get her to see maybe him for who he truly was and how their relationship actually operated when he was there so that she could, you know, kind of see it clearer and move past her grief. Um, But it also felt like a manipulation. Um, I mean, it is. Uh, And, Mm. and he also, but it's weird. And then he's also in, in their, the, the fight that, they have uh, where she comes home and he's he and his friends were like moving the rug or whatever. Yeah, there's there you know he in that scene he man, he manipulates her, but it's all part of some bigger manipulation. Okay. So uh, I'm I'm like you. I think where I think we're very <laughs> <laughs> sensitive to and actually Mike too in the Pixar sense, like we're very sensitive to like manipulation, I think. Mm -hmm. But I think it works for me because first of all, maybe that's why you spend a half hour with her. Just like she something, this woman needs help. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And other people are not able to do anything for her. Mm -hmm. So there's sort of a relief in the aspects like, okay, I'm glad someone can help her out. But I also, what I think is beautiful about it, is that the movie like begins by sort of building up their love to something that is like, you know, unfathomably perfect and beautiful. And then he comes back and she starts to realize some of the things that were not perfect about it. I don't think in a way, I don't think saying like, oh, this relationship actually wasn't that good and I shouldn't be grieving him so much. It's just like when someone dies, especially suddenly, it's like you can only remember the best parts of your relationship that's not necessarily accurate <laughs> or honest and, yeah. and, and not even and not even when they die like i think i think this movie is pretty just relatable. a breakup yeah 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 but i think what i think is beautiful about it is that when she moves on you kind of you transition to his grief even though he's sort of he's happy for her but it's like it kind of the fact that he was able to come back and perform this service for her reinstates the relationship as kind of actually being as beautiful and perfect as it seemed like it was. That's what mm-hmm. I kind of thought was amazing about it was that like their love is like set up as perfect. She comes to realize it wasn't, but the means by which she comes to realize that kind of proves that it actually was that special and perfect because it's not like every woman whose husband dies gets this service in this universe i don't think like they don't have like she truly was like having a harder time maybe than the average person for actual reasons and and actually a bit of research that i did like well okay reading about the movie um apparently while mingella was writing the script he was thinking of a friend of his with whom I don't know if it was Miguel himself who played music with him or he just knew of another guy who played music with him. And he was thinking about how um, the experience of like playing music together is like a connection that there's nothing else like it. And so in a, and then that friend died and he was thinking about how, what a loss that was. So I think it was, he was playing music with another friend of Miguel's. And he was thinking about the other fellow with whom he was playing music and how, what a loss that would be to not have that connect, that particular connection anymore and never to be able to play music with that person again. Mm-hmm. Um, and he worked that into the movie for that reason, that like in addition to her husband being gone, it's also like <laughs> the musical connection that they had and the ability to like play together. Um, she'll never have that again, which is like it's almost like she's more obsessed like when like when she's remembering him, she's not really remembering them making out or how they met or any of that stuff. She's remembering them playing music together and hearing him play the cello. And it's like um, 
you know, my husband is a cellist <laughs> and uh, that uh, was very um, accurate. Yeah. That just really rang true to me that like the particular sadness in her case was that she could never play with him again. Yeah. 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 I was curious when I was watching, it, I was like, you know, I, like I said, I wasn't particularly into it, but I was like, I bet that's really going to resonate with Kit just because like, you know, you and Lee do so much music stuff together. And I cried a lot during this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah, it was really, um, you know, and also Lee's, Lee annoys the fuck out of me as well as Alan Rickman does. <laughs> see, that's, like... that's the movie I want to see. I want to see the version of this where Lee comes back. And also that and also that she's like um, hot all the time and like that's driving her crazy. I was like, I could like the part. So I was really the part where there's the chamber orchestra in her apartment. I'm like, this bitch like is pissed about this this is amazing like your husband's playing cello with a chamber orchestra in your apartment but then i realized she was like opening the window because she was hot and i was like oh i get it <laughs> like that i could not deal with for alan rickman or anyone no way um so there was one thing that i kind of was curious about because i kind of felt like um you know towards the end it's like even though she's sort of being pushed sort of towards realizing that you know her relationship wasn't perfect it's okay for her to move on yada yada um it's it is weird to me that they put her in a position where she starts like having an outside relationship what it's just it's unclear and i think too i think too it's also unclear like maybe maybe this is where it would have helped to have some understanding of the mythology because it's yeah, like yeah you're right right because it kind of felt like okay is she cheating on him is she not cheating on him well and like, it does in that case it kind of does matter like can they have a physical relationship like we see them kiss so that's why i assume that they can but like what are the limitations of this experience right for her so 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 probably the it probably took me 20 minutes after he reappeared to understand that he was a ghost because I thought he was either a figment of her imagination. That's mostly well, where be. I was. Right. Well, true. He but still I'm, could be. Uh, yes, true. Mm -hmm. But I'm just saying, like, I thought he was either mm -hmm. just in her head um, or I thought he had somehow just rematerialized and he was a person. And so, like, it it wasn't, an, honestly, it wasn't until he brought his, his friends, his ghost friends, mm -hmm. his ghost bros. Um <laughs> Which, can I just say something about the ghost bros? Like, how, what a fucking nag. Coming home, you're hanging out with your ghost bros, knocking a few cold ones back. <laughs> and this freaking lady comes home and it starts yelling at you in front of your ghost bros. Um, <laughs> Even though anyway. there were like 24 of them like living in her house. By the end <laughs> they had her. nowhere else to go. I loved how they they were like like Alan Rickman looked completely normal, mm -hmm. but then some of those guys looked kind of like the guys you see on the way out of the haunted mansion, and I really liked that. For sure, for sure, yeah. There's <laughs> there was definitely like, and that's the thing is like, like yes, I may not be sure that Alan Rickman is the ghost, but this motherfucker in a top hat is yeah. for sure a ghost. Is yeah, they for had sure like ghost. top hats and like little like dark circles under their eyes, and their hair's hair's a little wild, and they're all wearing like black overcoats because they're cold all the they're time. They're like Dickens but it was characters. it was a great image. Them like walking through the dark apartment after she like shuts the door to go on the date, mm -hmm. and then they're like that was great. And then all of them standing in the window. I think that's the other part of it is like I might have had more something closer to Mike's reaction. I mean, the movie definitely worked for me emotionally, but I think if the ending doesn't work for you, like the ending, it's an extremely subtle payoff, which is, and they don't come right out and say it. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit clearer after they show them in the window and they show him smiling. But when, but I, I thought maybe all you were going to get was when they come in and he goes, yes, I think so, which I kind of wish they would have had the nuts to end it to like, basically have that be the last of Alan Rickman, except I do love that shot of them for through the window, but the ending worked so well for me. Um, yeah. That it's me like, too. Yes. Me too. The movie works for me. I was honestly, I think, yeah, I think, I think I was, it was, it was 
I think it was starting to fall apart for me a little bit. Um, not mm. not fall apart, but just like I, I wasn't sh just not sure where it was going. I think, but like having it having it culminate to like, oh, this was all part of some sort of. He mm -hmm. was helping her the whole time. Um, well, because it's very upsetting. Like, Mike is right. It's like, it's not fun to watch mm -mm. her start to doubt. Like, you don't want to see him, see her start to not like him as much. Like, that's not, that's a bummer, kind of. And yeah. maybe if this was more, like, farcical and jokey in kind of the American sense, then... I don't know. I feel like there's a track this could have followed that was like the hijinks that he and his ghost buddies get get up to are more over the top and silly and flubber ish or whatever. Like let's and then let's happy Madison this see what happens. Yeah, and then they still try to hook us at the end by having like a lawyer give a speech about yeah. how he came back to let's see to like it can encourage her to move on. I mean, like I... that would be ghost. I mean, they called this uh, Ebert called this ghost for grownups basically. Yeah. Nah. So sorry, Mike. Ebert thinks you're not a grown-up. <laughs> you know, I don't like Ghost either, so. Um, can we talk about the uh, her, like, dweeby boyfriend that she meets in this movie? Sure. Yeah. What is with that dude's hair? And second, <laughs> sec second, so she goes, there, this is how she, this is how she meets this dude. They're at a cafe, and, like, she gets, there's an altercation with, uh, between her and like the the cafe owner, mm -hmm. and then this dude stands up and does a magic trick in which he turns a book into <laughs> a bird, and then in the subsequent scene claims he's not a magician. <laughs> so let me ask you this: What the fuck was up with him carrying that bird around? <laughs> yeah, question. well, and also it's weird. And the movie did this a couple of times where it's like, I understand the point, and that actually is like a. Th tactic that's recommended to like end kind of you know violent public confrontations magic just like just no but just to, like <laughs> distract like wildly distract people from what's going on so um, that's why this man was carrying a bird around but his dinner was grossly undercooked and so what he did was just grab the bird off his plate uh... so they but they don't and he was gonna eat a pigeon yeah. um they don't yeah. they don't show you first of all how that resolved like because i want to kind of know like okay well what happened after you did that like the people right. just stopped fighting and they do a, something similar where when um he, after the the ghost boys are like packing up her rug and they have that fight and she, he says do you want me to leave and she says no never and is hugging him and then the next shot is her walking out the door and i guess the explanation is that she didn't realize that by leaving, like, he wouldn't be there when she got back. But it's like, how did she get out of his lap in that situation? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If part of the context of that scene is like, okay, you've come back from the dead, but I kind of maybe need you to go again. But I'm also scared if I do, you'll actually go. Like, how do you extricate <laughs> Like, you know, if you were saying, yeah. if you knew that when you stopped hugging your wife or husband, you were never going to see them again, like, when do you stop? How do you stop? And they don't show us that. And it felt similar. It reminded me of the bird thing. Because I'm like, well, how did this confrontation end? Yeah. I Everyone agree. just it, went, oh, I forget what I was talking about. <laughs> it, it, it definitely, it was definitely a little jarring to go from hugging him tightly to on a date with her it, weird boyfriend. And you guys, I, I think, yeah, go ahead. I think if you maybe see him, because the movie isn't, I don't, I don't know. I may not have watched it carefully enough. The movie isn't specific as to whether or not he is something that her, her psyche has cooked up to help her cope with the grief mm -hmm. or whether he's actually like a ghost and he's actually there and he's, his spirit is helping her move on. Um, so like that ending, if I'm remembering it correctly, where she says basically like I don't want you to leave, but then she goes out the door and uh, hugs or greets the the new the new fella. Um, like that's you know she still doesn't want him to leave, but like maybe she's at least yeah. gotten to a point where she can move on, and now she can see this other guy. Um, yeah, and so she's no longer or uh, he's no longer necessary uh, for her, you know, psyche mm -hmm. to. I don't know. So I don't know. I guess I just see myself in that scenario being like, well, this is my life now. Right. You know what I mean? I don't think there would breath. ever come a point that like Lee could come back from a like sudden death and I would be like, um, I'm good. 
you can be dead now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think that I think that's a moment that could have been clearer for me. Sorry. Or at least make it clearer that she doesn't realize that this is or or at least she's not having to like fully consciously face the fact even if she maybe knows somewhere deep down like she doesn't realize that like oh she's never going to see him again right which he does seem to realize because he won't hug her in that moment and his and we're focusing on his anguish in that moment so i think Mm -hmm. he gets it he knows he's leaving um maybe she doesn't yet i also felt like and maybe this is uh (laughs) touchy and we can cut it out if we need to but like there's a thing that um, British movies do sometimes, mm. which is to use like um, disabled people or uh, mentally challenged people to like, like everyone in the movie has a job that's like a public service. And it's not just like this movie, like, like that's true of this movie. It's true of a lot of movies. Like I'm thinking of like Notting Hill where like his sister is in a wheelchair and I, not that you shouldn't, but it's like, it seems significant to the movie that she's in a wheelchair and it makes, it's almost like it's there so that like Julia Roberts will like him or something. That's, that's not his sister. That's his, uh, that's his ex. Oh yeah. You're right. It's not his, his sister's the crazy lady. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His like ex. Yeah. You know what also I mean? Also like, special there's... needs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That very, and some of that weird. just reminded me was like, oh, we need to get we need to get the audience on board with this guy when obviously anyone is going to prefer Alan Rickman. So like let's right. have him work with kids with Down syndrome or adults with Down syndrome or whatever. Yeah. Um that's interesting. Also, I was surprised to learn that anyone had an art therapy degree in 1990. Like, wow. <laughs> very ahead of the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, to me that you're probably right. Like nobody in the audience would be like, you know, like, oh, this guy's way better than Alan Rickman. Um, so they probably had to add, like, make him like, not just like, well, and she, she also kind of falls for him fairly quickly. So like, uh, they had to just make him like a super, super nice guy. Like clearly this guy is a good person. And, and he is cute, even though his hair is terrible. Like he's a cute guy, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's almost like give me less of this guy's personality in a way because like he's not the point of the movie she's mm-hmm. allowed to move on with whatever whoever she wants mm-hmm. her husband's dead like he doesn't need to be a saint or an angel but if you're gonna bother to show me like that he's a saint and try to get me on board for this relationship make him like really hot or something i don't know <laughs> like yeah like or shows a little more. I mean, I know they have like a quirkiness that they share and it's like sweet and everything. But like when you're contrasting that with like Alan Rickman playing the fucking cello, it's like uh, and reading Pablo Neruda and stuff <laughs> like, really? This is. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I think it might have been because what, one of the things that I think about with um, with like moving from one relationship to the next is that a lot of times I think um the next relationship is probably partially how you get over the previous one. Um, so you think she's going to dump this guy? No, I don't think so. I don't oh, think so. Okay. But like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm, I, maybe I, I would, I would break up with him for sure. Um, <laughs> He's cute. I feel bad, but it's just like, I was into him. When, when I thought he was a magician, as soon as he said, he's not, I'm, I'm, I'm out, man. <laughs> It's like, dude, dude, dude can turn a book into a pigeon, and then the next thing he says is, "Oh, I work with disabled people." Like, come on. Um, anyway. Well, and also, I want to think about the fact that, like, Alan, this is two years after Die Hard. Mm-hmm. This is one year after Quigley Down Under, and mm-hmm. it's just like, God, Alan Rickman, man. Yeah, it he's is- so. I mean, that's two modes in which. It's not as if every actor can play because he's not even playing like us, like, you know, um, John Malkovich younger in, in, you know, in Dangerous Liaisons. He's like a fucking asshole, but he's sexy in his way. And like, that's not what Alan Rickman is doing here. He's doing pure, like romantic lead guy. Definitely. That was it was really interesting to me because I mean, I've seen tons of Alan Rickman movies with Alan Rickman in it, but the movies that I associate Alan Rickman with most are Die Hard, 
Quigley Down Under, Prince of Thieves, which are all the same character. <laughs> um, Harry Potter. All great. And then Snape. Like the, the Who's also, until the last movie, the same as any of those characters. For sure. For basically. sure. Basically. And and like he's great in all of that, but it's just it's very different from from romantic <laughs> lead. And and it's it is it is definitely like and the thing is, is like prior to seeing this, and I've seen other Alan Rick, you know, movies with Alan Rickman in it, but like just like thinking about him as an actor, like I think of him as more of a character actor and mm-hmm. um and I think of like uh, the thing that he does as being awesome, but being the thing that he does. Um, and this but is just know totally different. What the movie with with which I most strongly associate, like what I think of Alan Rickman's defining role, huh. is Colonel Brandon in Sense and Sensibility, which well, you're a who is like <laughs> it's not weird. It's weird in 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 the history of. Jane Austen on film, mm-hmm. of which I've seen a lot, including television. He is the best Austen boy that there is. He is the sweetest, like, and I love Colonel Brandon in the books too. I'm like the only one. There's so many like feminist uh, articles about how what a shame it is that like Marianne Dashwood ends up with Colonel Brandon. I'm like, um, no, it's he's like the best option in in all of Austen's books possibly. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, he's great. And I think that's why his hair is kind of blonde. No, that wouldn't be. That was like five years later. Never mind. Um, I guess Alan Rickman's hair is kind of blonde naturally. And kind of wispy. Right? It looked, it was crazy because he and the guy she goes for had almost the same haircut, but it could not look more different <laughs> on <Yeah>. two people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, he was like, he, like to me, it was kind of like... Um, it reminded me of like, like Nick Cage in Moonstruck, and Nick Cage mm-hmm. in any movie from like 2010 on, right? <laughs> so it's like mm-hmm. Nick Cage in Moonstruck. His hair is just crazy, but like it looks good, right? Yeah. And like now his his hair looks like Ugh. its own animal, right? It's just I like, cannot fucking wait to watch Moonstruck. <laughs> Uh, yeah it's a good movie i'm so excited i this movie reminded me a lot of moonstruck in certain ways me too like in that it's it's like a technically a rom-com but very sophisticated Mm -hmm. it's um everyone's kind of like a quirky nice person but they're not perfect like there's like weird like the guy who says that he's in love with her is has like already knocked up her friend or something and Mm -hmm. um you know People, you know, there's like infidelity and weird, like everyone, and then people talk like everyone's like a smart, like genius communicator who's like really, really funny and and quirky and cool all the time. And it just has this like fairy tale vibe, even though it's about like actual people just kind of going about their lives and doing their jobs. Yeah. Uh, speaking of people communicating well, I did think it was weird that that dude showed up on her doorstep and asked her to go bang for a week in Paris. It's very strange. Yeah. It's a very strange. I guess maybe I'm supposed to chalk that up to like a a, a cultural and language barrier or something. But a it's just Polish like, thing, you mean? It's a Polish. <laughs> well, he was ready to use his Polish something for something. Um, I. <laughs> but uh, yeah, okay. that was that was weird. That was weird. It was weird. Yeah, yeah I, think I think it was, was supposed to be like quirky mm-hmm. funny though. I don't think it was like. But this is a movie that is not really quirky funny. But well, that but she is has the thing. That, whole... that is like Mike Newell and like what the fucking guy who directed Notting Hill. What the hell's his name? Oh, <sighs> oh gosh, I just and he that. writes all of Hugh Grant's Hugh Grant's movies. What the fuck is? Ugh. Uh, his name um, is. Yeah, tell me the musician. Fucking the, Roger the Mitchell. The score and the producer first. The what? Richard Curtis. Richard he wrote Curtis. it. Richard oh, Curtis. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm thinking of. But like Richard Curtis, Mike Newell, like this. There's this. there's this weird thing in british movies that i just feel like we don't do or we do it differently in american movies where like i mean on the one hand i think british people only they have to pretend like everyone's in love with whatever average looking person they have like cast in their movie because that's all they have there you know (laughs) (laughs) but i but i at the same (laughs) at the same time i also kind of like that because like juliet stevenson is beautiful yeah. And she's a very, like, in the movie, she's playing a very, like, 
a woman that would be kind that is dynamic and like um you know i can see the men around her falling in love with her at the same time it's like strange as an american <laughs> to watch that be acknowledged you know in a film i don't mm -hmm. know it was it, i agree with you it was weird there were a lot of layers to that of like really her like in an and you know sort of way arrest development sort of way and then also like well yeah but i like this don't i <laughs> yeah um i don't know roger mitchell also wrote about time so maybe maybe that's oh, why boy. i hate, maybe that's why i hate that movie maybe the movie is just too brutal. you hate notting me. hill no no i like notting hill about time what do you hate about time oh i see i see i see Roger uh, Mitchell, did he direct About Time? No, he wrote it. No, 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 no. The the Richard Curtis. Sorry, Richard Curtis, not Roger Mitchell. Richard Curtis oh. wrote Notting, I know. Notting Hill and About Time. That's I I remember, I feel like I learned that recently that Richard Curtis wrote not About Time. And it really um it really bummed me out because like I do like Richard Curtis's writing. Like, it's crazy. And, you know, but I like, you know, I wish we made more movies like Notting Hill or Four Weddings and a Funeral or, you mm -hmm. know, like I want movies like that. But About Time was so, I hated it so very much. Yeah. I <laughs> and almost... it didn't seem of a, of a piece with the other things that he's written. Mm -mm. Although, um, although when I, I did watch, when I watched Notting Hill recently, like I really realized for the first time how much. I hate Julia Roberts for most of that movie. I sympathize I with her. I hate Julia Roberts for most of every single movie sure, ever. Sure, so. sure. But I, 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 it's it's really only in the last, like, I will say she saves it at the end. Uh, this must be really exciting for Mike. Um, I will say <laughs> she, she does she does save it again. Like that that scene where she's where she's standing at his bookshop. She does the whole, like, I'm just a girl standing mm -hmm. for a boy asking, her, asking him to love her thing. Like that. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. this, this scene actually does work in kind of making you like somebody you have disliked for the last hour and mm -hmm. 45 minutes um doesn't she buy him a modigliani does isn't a modigliani yes i don't know if it, it is. is it I is okay it. yes okay okay i know my modigliani's kit i'm just googling it i'm finding i feel like we have this exact conversation every episode we do. We where do. we talk about the modigliani and notting uh -huh. hill well, I don't have any more notes. I think you're uh, wrong. Andrew, do you have any more notes? Mm. Kit? Yes, I do. Hold on. I'm trying to figure out what painting is in Notting Hill. Okay. So I didn't take I didn't take a lot of notes because of because uh, I was watching no, this on my computer. It's not. It's, it's not like a Modigliani? No, it's like a uh, Paul Clay or something. What the fuck is it? Hold on. Whatever. I'm going to cut this out so it's it just seems like I was right. It's the woman and the goat. Mark Chagall, it's Chagall, which probably would cost more than a Mediglia. Like, I mean, I don't know. It's like tens of millions of dollars that she gave him for sure. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going I'm to edit this so it seems like I was right and you were wrong. <laughs> it's worth a million dollars. Okay, whatever. See, I, if I were him, I would have sold that shit immediately. And bought a Medigliani. <laughs> he doesn't need to, though, because he gets married to her and he's set for life and he can keep his Chagall. That's true. So, Kate, you said you had more notes on Truly Madly Deeply. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think that people are going to be interested in our, like, sidebar conversations? No. <laughs> Maybe. Let's see. Um... But, imagine, like, Mike, think about it. Think about it. You're a listener. You're tuning in. You, you, you see the title of the episode. You know what we're going to talk about. But each week you're secretly hoping, God, when will they bring up Notting Hill? Yeah. <laughs> Boom. There it is. Um. I liked, sure. so there were a couple of points in the movie where like specific lines and just how well they were delivered, like really stood out to me. Like when he's talking to her at, right after he comes back and he's explaining to her that it didn't hurt when he died oh, and yeah. saying like, you know, I can't take, I'm not good with pain or whatever. Like just like the way he delivered, that, I was like, God, that was good. So like, I guess, I don't know, go watch that again. Um, and then when she's after the rug incident and they're kind of fighting and she's talking about how like, you know, he, she started bringing out things that he, she put away because he made fun of them. And she's talking about how much she loves the apartment. She says it will be beautiful. Could be, I think. And just like the way she fucking says that line is so good. It's just such good delivery and like really great writing. Mm -hmm. um, also that scene stuck out to me too. 
Uh, the other thing that uh, made me pick this movie is that the part with them singing the sun ain't gonna shine anymore yes. is in the trailer. And like him, like like Alan Rickman singing that while like strumming a cello like a t- guitar. And I said, like, now I, I now agree with Mike that the 90s are great. He's got pipes. <laughs> He's got pipes, too. He sounded great. Yeah. Um, and then it was followed shortly by him singing Raining in My Heart, which is mm-hmm. like, that's really cool, too. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Anything else? I don't think I have anything else. I just said, goddamn, Anthony McGella. That's my last note because of that. Just that last shot of them in the, all in the window is great. I loved it. I loved, like I said, I loved that there were blinds in the window. Like, it's, to leave the blinds. That's great. It's nice. That he could make that he could make something that felt very real also look very beautiful. Right. Like was it really is really like nice. It's, it's a marquee shot, but it's also not, right? Like, it, it, it definitely feels like, oh, this is the right place to end the movie. Um, and yeah, and no, and nobody went. Nobody went like, oh, why don't we? Why don't we take the blinds out of the window? It'll look nicer. They were like, no, no I'll no. make it. No, I'll make put, that they, fucking work. <laughs> they put no. They didn't take them out. They put them in. I guarantee it. <laughs> guarantee it. <clears throat> yeah, it was great. That's all my notes. Well, all then I got. it's time for the cruise minute. Oh shit! Hmm. All right. Oh. Like, what if Tom Cruise played the guy, the, the psychologist guy, or whatever he is? Then that would be cool. Uh, then, I, then it would make sense. Yeah. You trade in Alan Rickman and you get a Tom Cruise. I yeah, think I most would, people I would. I feel safe saying without insult to either actor that I would trade the ghost of Alan Rickman for the alive for alive Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I agree. And I don't think Alan Rickman would be insulted by that. No, I think he'd get it. And I don't he, know. I mean, does Tom Cruise does this Tom Cruise play cello? I think the well, and read like he, poetry to me. I don't well, know. Well, he could. But here's the thing. You know, he could learn. That's true. Yeah, and, and here's he the, would teach you. And here's and here's the other thing. Um, I think I think it would have been a problem because I think if Tom Cruise had had entered the movie at the same place as that magician guy had entered, <laughs> like you would have. It would have been over. The movie's <laughs> over. You don't want. I mean, I love Alan Rickman and all, but like he's kind of starting to be a douche at this point. So it's just like yeah. I don't even give a fuck anymore. So and you, it's Tom no. Cruise in 1990. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Pete. That's Pete Cruz. <laughs> like Tom Cruise now, maybe the movie continues. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tom Cruise in 1990—that is tough to deal with. That's tough for anyone Although, to compete with, even the ghost of Alan Rickman. Just so we don't have to issue a correction later, Pete Cruz is 1980 through the current day. So we should just, you know. Oh yeah, I was thinking sure. that same thing. Mike in the back of my head, I was like, I hope people don't think I'm saying I don't like Tom Cruise now and like would not go for that. Right. I would, but yeah. Imagine, imagine, Kit, imagine listening to every episode of this up until now and then thinking that that you didn't like Tom Cruise. Wait, she doesn't like Tom Cruise? <laughs> All right. And so ends the cruise minute. I haven't done mine. Um, I haven't done mine. Oh, that, was all, that was all kids. Oh, well, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Mike needs, has somewhere to be, I guess. Apparently. Um, I'm going to, I started watching Elmer Gantry last night and I'm going to try to finish that tonight. Well, it's only 8 p.m., so I think you have time. It's a two and a half hour long film. Ugh, whatever. Yeah, but you started, started it. it already, yeah. you grandma. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and um, you're working from home. Yeah. You don't uh, have to, take, make, you don't have to make your 12 minute commute anymore. Yeah. 30 gonna, minute commute. It's a long c- commute. God damn it. Let me speak. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so today um, I read, and Kit, you already know this because we talked about it, but that um, after they finished Mission Impossible, because I guess uh, Tom Cruise asked uh, Brian De Palma to start work on the second one, and Brian De Palma said, no, one of these is enough. (laughs) And and so we were kind of like, oh, man, what what if Mission Impossible 2 had not been directed by John Woo at the peak of John Woo being John Woo in America. Like, what if it had been another De Palma movie? And then I was kind of yeah. wondering to myself, like, well, then would we have gotten, like, what would have happened to the series? Like, would it have been more locked into kind of the style of the first one? And then is that sustainable? And then, like, would we have seen, like, what would the third one have looked like? Um, anyway, that's my whole, that's my whole. It is a, it is a very different, like, from the, I would say from the first to the to the third movie is like that's a huge transformation for a franchise because. Yeah. But I think the second one helps you get there. One. 
I think the second yeah, one helps you get there. Yeah, I think there. so. Yeah. But it, but I think the difference to me is like Brian De Palma is making a movie, and like <laughs> Christopher McQuarrie is making a documentary. Like, mm. and that's like a that's like a big difference. I th- like. And I think John Woo is also making a film. <laughs> like, even though, like, yes, the knife is really close to his eye or whatever, like, it's... So st- what you're I'm- saying is Christopher McQuarrie gives Tom Cruise a Red Bull and then just rolls camera. Right. It's sort and of like, that's- what we're, we're going to make these movies exciting <laughs> by having all of this stuff really happen. Uh-huh. And the first movie is like, we're going to set up, like, complex... Uh, <laughs> shots and like come up with like yes great stunts and everything but it's like we're going to produce tension through the use of like cinema and then Chris McQuarrie is kind of like what if you actually jumped out of the plane and we just put a camera on your helmet or whatever (laughs) like I'm not and that's not to demean Christopher McQuarrie because I much prefer the later ones to the first one even though I think the first one's great um please don't think I don't like Tom Cruise again um (laughs) Someone but, out there is sharpening their sharpening their knife. What what would an Anthony Minghella <laughs> oh my, impossible be oh like? Oh my god, it'd be really gay, I bet. <laughs> hey, well now I'm sad. <laughs> Did you uh, not see Fallout? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so with you. Oh my god, that <sighs> more of that, please. That's the thing is when they like recast the woman in every movie. I'm like, I don't fucking care like we all know tom cruise has no fucking interest in this lady Mm-mm. i mean he has no interest in anyone but if he does it's gonna be superman not fucking uh that spy lady or whatever see i think i think like i have more like i have more um i have an easier time believing that like he's uh he's in love with like the helicopters he's he's flying in fallout <laughs> than any of the because think about it like think about the way he's holding that joystick yeah. You know what I'm saying? Although I will say I believe the relationship between him and Michelle Monaghan. I think Tom Cruise is, is good yes. at playing a like committed married man. Sure. He <laughs> I don't buy him as like fucking spies or whatever. You know? Yeah. Like I don't think he's not he's not James name? Bond. No, exactly. Yeah. Like yeah, I yeah, think yeah. he wants to be married and like to the same woman his whole life or be having sex with Henry Cavill. Right. Um or a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> That yep. could have happened. That's true. I the world's first uh, double human plash, uh, slash vehicle mm. threesome. Well, I'm not going to sleep tonight. <laughs> uh, I hope I never accidentally open your sketchbook again. <laughs> um, well, you know, I've got Elmer Gantry to watch. Uh, All right. I hate to wrap this up early, but it seems like we've about wound down here. So thank you for joining us tonight, folks. And join us next time, Andrew. Uh, oh, but wait, Mike, what are we going to watch next week? <laughs> oh, thank you, Andrew. Uh-huh. Uh, and join us next time when we'll be discussing 1998's Meet Joe Black, which is three hours long. So we get to watch that. <laughs> thank you. Mike, Mike, you're going to love it. Try not to go. Try, try, try. It's so good. No, he's yeah. not going to love it. That's going to be painful for me. Shirley Jones was nominated for an Oscar for Elmer Gantry. Or did she win? Did Shirley Jones win an Oscar for Elmer Gantry? I think she did. I'm only getting, she's only just now in it is kind of where I left off. I think she did win an Oscar for it. Halfway through. But, uh, but I can't wait to see where it goes. I'm excited. It's pretty good. I love, I love Burt Lancaster. You might, do you, I haven't, see, I've never gotten really on board with him. Um, he did win best actor. She won best supporting actress and it won best screenplay. Really? It does. Mm -hmm. It does feel like, what year was it? Uh, 1960. Yeah. It feels like that. Have you ever seen a, um, a face in the crowd? No. Okay. I, I've, seen a, I've seen a face in the crowd. Okay, yeah. I've seen many so, faces in many crowds. There's like that sort of like, uh, not really snarky, but the sort of that like social satire message Oscar kind of movie mm-hmm. from like the 50s and 60s. It feels mm-hmm. a lot like that. But I'm enjoying Elmer Gantry so far. I'm curious to see where it goes. Uh, One of the many fine films you can enjoy on the Criterion channel, which uh, you should definitely sign up for. Lots of good stuff on there. All this will be edited out. I really think you might like Meet Joe Black. And and if you want, you can watch, um, what's the one that Meet Joe, Death Takes a Holiday, if you want to see what Meet Joe Black is based on. What's uh, Death Takes a Holiday? That's like Friedrich March, I think. Let me see. Um. Yeah, 1934, Friedrich March, Evelyn Venable, and Guy Standing. Those are some names for you. <laughs> guy, guy, guy Standing. 
Guy Standing? Guy Standing and <laughs> Evelyn Venable. See that that yeah. was actually that was actually his character's name in his first movie as an extra and it just yeah. stuck. <laughs> yeah. Actually it was really confusing. He was he was sitting man. And then, uh, yeah. yeah. He got he got a promotion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. All right. Cool. Good to see you both. Stay right. safe and healthy. Mm-hmm. All right. Bye, Mike. Enjoy Bye. Elmer Bye, Gantry. <laughs> Bye. Thank you.